I want to, I began talking to you uh, the other week about um, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. And I want to continue in that vein. And I'm going to ask somebody to come up and share uh, their testimony later on. And it's going to be very powerful, right? They're going to join me by video. Not by person, they're going to come by video. And uh, you'll see what I mean when I make that. Get ready for this testimony because it's going to knock your socks off. Quality may not be fantastic, but it's, it's a very good uh, testimony. And I want you to hear it. And I want you to hear it loud and clear. So for us, let's go to Philippians chapter 2. It says, therefore, my dear friends, if something's therefore, we need to know why it's therefore. My dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but how much more in my absence. You know, you need to behave when people are not there. You need to learn to behave when people are not watching and not looking at you. That's integrity. Integrity is doing the right thing when no one's watching. Amen? This is one of the core concerns of my heart is to develop you guys so that you can behave. Yes? And behave, not just not do anything wrong. Behavior means do the right things. Yes? You know, when you, when you go out, you say, don't touch anything. To the kids, don't touch anything. So not touching anything is a form of right behavior. But you're not children. There's a work for you to do. There's a work that you must do. So that's called, you, you must know how to behave when the pastor's not around, the church is not around, your leaders are not around, your best friends are not around, your mother and father's not around. You must know how to behave. Amen? But then he says that it's not enough just to behave in my absence, but you must continue to work out your salvation with fear and with trembling, for it's God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Now, I spoke a lot about that last time I spoke, but I want to continue because we're going on. We can't keep going back and clarifying what we said. So your work, you, must, you must work things out. But how do you work things out? Well, let me give you a clue. If you don't have a race, a Christian race, you will never work anything out. In other words, if you don't have a course... If you don't have a course in your life, if you don't have a picture of what your life should be about, why you're on planet Earth, you'll never work anything out because you're going nowhere. Life needs a direction. And even having a family is only a start of a direction, and then you raise your family, but you still need direction even for your family and for yourself, for your own life, because your children will leave the nest one day. It's true. So... When I'm talking about what I'm talking about, you work things out en route, but there must be a route. There must be a route. If I'm going home today, I'll go home by a route. I'll follow a certain path, a certain road, which will lead me to my house. Now, I know there's certain variations, and, and that'll get me home, but it's still a path. It's still a route, nevertheless. Amen? So... You must work things out, but you must, you'll only work things out if you're in the race. If there's no race, you'll never work anything out. A race has a way of revealing what's going on inside of you, how much stamina you've got, whether you're trained, whether you're not trained, whether you're disciplined or indisciplined. So a race is good for us. Now you think, well, I'm 60-odd, I can't run. It's not that kind of race. It's not that kind of race. It's a Christian race that determines quite a lot of things. And over these next couple of weeks, I'm going to talk to you about what are the, the DNA, what is the DNA of this race? If 
by the time we finish, you'll know clearly what race you're in. Many of you are coming into the final straight of your life. What does the final straight of your life look like? We've got to talk about it. Amen? What does retirement look like? What should retirement look like? Yes? Retirement, despite what many may think, is not about you. It's not about sitting there and having self, being self-indulgent with the rest of your life. You've still got a race to run. Use your retirement for that race. Rather than just say, I'm going to drink pina coladas and sail around the world till the day I die. You'll die faster that way. Yes? So 2 Timothy 4.7 says this, I have fought the fight, I've finished the race, and I've kept the faith. Three dimensions to your race, which you're going to need, and we'll talk about. We're not going to talk about this specifically today, but I want to put that on your radar. Three core things of your race will, will uh, require you to fight. In other words, stand against, stand up for. It's going to cause you to run the race. Notice Paul says, I'm not running the race, that I've finished it. He's finished his race. Many are dying, but they've not finished the race. Many live their lives, can live to 80, 100 years, but never lived a single day of their life. It's not how long you live, my friend. It's the quality of life you've had. And where was you going with it? What did you do with it? Yeah? So he said, I fought the fight, I finished the race. And the next thing is, you must keep the faith. This week, a, a woman came to my door. She was trying to sell, uh, the, she was trying to encourage, sell is the wrong word. She was generating finance to keep the ambulance in the air. You know, the, the helicopter? It's a great cause, great cause. And uh, it's one I, I wholeheartedly support because one day I might need it. Not planning on it, but one day I might need it. And I was glad that there was something there to get air left me out and get me to hospital. So she's talking to me and she's saying, uh, you know, oh, I, I, I'm, she says, you look like, a priest. So I said, well, you're not far wrong. I said, but you couldn't be any further from the truth. I said, I'm not a priest. I'm, I'm a minister, uh, a pastor. She said, oh, you do a great work. I thought, you don't even know who I am. So she says to me, will you do me a favor? So I said, well, what do you want me to do? She said, will you say some prayers for me? I said, I'll go one better than that. I said, why don't you come to church and I'll pray with you? So she went, that sounds good. So she gives me a number. I'm going to call her. I'm going to bring her to church. Right? And she says, oh, I have all the beads from the, the Franciscan monks. That's serious. That's what she says. You've got to take people where they're at. So I said, oh, that's good. Those beads will get you nowhere, darling. Those beads will get you nowhere. And I'm thinking, I've got, this lady is open, but she doesn't know yet. She doesn't know what she's open to. There's a lady who convinced herself she keeps the faith because she holds these beads in her hand. She's got a faith in her mind. But what kind of faith she's got, only God Almighty knows, right? But the point is, people have all delusions of grandeur as to what this life is all about. So some people, their faith is not the faith. Do you know what I mean? Everyone has a belief in something. We're not talking about just belief, we're talking about faith. Faith is different from belief. Yes, it's trusting in your belief. Yeah, so three aspects there is I fought the fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith. We'll talk about that in the days to come. I want to say days, I mean the immediate coming days. 
three things your Christian life must have. It must have evidence. It must have evidence. And right there opens up a can of worms. So it must have a fight. It must have a race. It must have faith. But it must have evidence. What is the evidence that you're running a good Christian life? What is the evidence to those around? Now listen, not to yourself, to those around. What is the evidence that you're in a race? You know, Phil will tell you, it don't take long for me to sweat in the, in the gym. I'm what they call an early sweater. Phil calls it guilt. Right? It doesn't take long before I start getting hot and I start sweating. I'm not sweaty, stinky. I'm just hot. So let's get it in context. I shower. Right? I don't go in there smelling like a tramp. I go in there smelling good and end up getting smelly. And then I shower and I come out smelling good. At least I hope I do. <laughs> I stand close to the shower and I use the gel. Okay? So the issue is, is I know that when I'm in a, in a gym, I've got evidence I've been doing something. Yeah? There must be evidence. And people look at me sometimes when I'm on my own and they think, sometimes it's on you, it works in your favor. They think, oh, that man's really put a good shift in today. <laughs> no, I could sweat at the thought of going in the gym. But we need evidence, and people need to see evidence around your life that you are in a race. It's not enough just to tell people you're a Christian. Let them see you're going somewhere with your faith. Yes? You need that, guys. It's not enough just for you to convince yourself you're a Christian and keep it to yourself. It's not about keeping your light to yourself. It's about sharing what you know and have received with others. There must be evidence that you're in a race. Evidence, key evidence. So, do you know, I've, I've realized this. Someone who's run a marathon, my greatest lesson in running a marathon was not finishing. I did finish. Don't do it again. That was a good lesson I learned. <laughs> I did make a vow. I said to Phil, I'm never going to do another one. It was done. It's some, you know, it's the bucket list, done it. Did it with style. However, I learned something very powerful that I didn't think I learned at the time, but it's something that God put in the memory bank, and, and, and it's very powerful, and it's you struggle to get to the starting line. There are thousands and thousands of people taking place in a marathon. You cannot all start on the line. Right? And so there is... Vast amounts of people. So what they do is if you're a fit runner and you belong to a club, you send your times in, right, ahead of time. So then they can say, oh, this guy's a, he's a three-hour guy. This guy's a two-hour guy. This guy's a six-dayer. Yeah? So the two-hour guy, we don't want the two-hour guy at the back. So let's get the real serious boys because the serious boys in there, right? And they, they're competing against others, Right? Well, most of the people in the, in the marathon are not competing against anyone. They're running their race, and the, the course is the challenge. Yes? And finishing the race, and what condition you're finishing the race in, is key. And I'll talk to you about that. Because how you finish the race, I don't want to fall over the line. Yeah? I don't want Jesus giving me oxygen at the other side. Right? 
So it takes, uh, it takes a long time and an effort and a struggle. Listen to me. This is, this is powerful. It takes a long time before you actually feel like you've started your race. But you're in amongst the crowd for a long time. It's so easy to be in the crowd and feel because the crowd's moving, you're in the race. So many people in church are part of the crowd, but they've not found the starting line. Oh, yeah. And the great cloud of witnesses are there cheering, and they get caught up in the atmosphere of church life, and they get caught up thinking that, hey, we've started. No, you haven't. You're walking. In fact, there was that many people there the day we did our marathon. you like penguins. Get into the starting line. And then as you start getting closer to the starting line, gaps start appearing. And then you're, it's, you're aware that it started. But guess what? You may have lost 30 minutes. Now see the analogies here. How much time are you losing being with a crowd? How much of your life are you losing being part of the crowd, convincing yourself that we're actually going somewhere, we're in the race? No, you're not, because there's loads of crowds cheering. No, you're not in the race. Your race hasn't started. You're making your way, but you have to fight through the crowd to get to the starting line. I don't know about you, but it seems to me that in this Christian race, there's tons and tons of times when I've got to fight to get to the line. Or am I the only one? So here we go. Starting, the starting line requires effort. Great effort. This is today's message. What I'm talking about today is getting to the starting line. Yes? Because hell and high water will come against you to stop you starting this race. Oh, you're saved. Jesus Christ has forgiven you. You wash, you cleanse. You, you may have even been baptized. You may have done all the stuff that's required of you, but you've not yet started the race. Because depending what kind of person introduced you to Christ and what church you went to, all you've done is sat on your blessed assurance. This is not the race. This is just a part of the, This is one of the resting stations today, ready for when you get out of here to go back into your race. This is a drink zone. This is where you're going to get fed, when you're going to get watered, and so you can get your supplies, nourishment, to get back out again in the race. Amen? You know, when you're running, what you find is this, is you're so tired, and they've got all the water there, they've got, they've got no bottles, they're just little cups, and you're trying to pick it up, and you're like, and it's like a comedy sketch. You can't get it down your throat, and if you stop, you seize up. It's true. It's true. The longer you've been running, it's true, isn't it, Phil? The longer you run, that's why you see the ambulance, St. John's ambulance, littered, and good runners seize up. They get cramp. Yeah? Amateurs like me, all the way. But we told ourselves, don't stop. That was our code. We will not stop. We will not stop. We'll keep running. And you're trying to get that, that drink, and you're trying to get it in a controlled manner down your throat because you're gagging for a drink. But guess what? It's by the time you finished, it's all over the place. Very little got down your gullet. But you run to the next station and you try the same thing again. 
And by the time you're finished, you finally get some water, but it's not enough. But it's enough to keep you moving. Yeah? So, getting to the starting line is a great big battle. It's a big effort. Starting and continuing the race, or should continuing the race, needs pace and momentum. We're going to look at that in the days ahead. The next, that's going to be next week's message. Overcoming obstacles in the race, that's another one. Going to the back straight, like I said. Finishing strong with no regrets. It's a profound thing to be told to work something out. It's a profound thing. He didn't just say, Paul just didn't say to the Philippian church, guys, you'll be okay. You'll be all right. God will just love you. God will bless you. You'll be okay. He said, no, guys, you've got to work some things out. You've got to shove some things to the side. You've got to prioritize some things. You've got to make some changes. You've got to make some alterations in your life because we're now going in a race. You can't run in a race, naturally speaking. You can't run in a race if you're heavy. Naturally speaking. Because your weight will slow you down and tire you out very quickly. Yes? As well as give you a heart attack. True? So you've got to try, depending on what race you're in, your body has to adjust to the race. Your spirit and your soul has to adjust to your race. In fact, your soul has to adjust to your spirit to run this race. But what stops you, what causes you not getting to the line is that your soul is talking and your spirit has not yet been trained. So your soul is determining why you shouldn't be running. Oh, it's a bit cold today. It's a bit too far, that. I don't like, I don't like all these people. Oh, I'll never finish. I'll never, and you, you talk yourself out of this Christian race. You know what they asked me? They asked me, they asked me to come to church in midweek. <sighs> Do they know who I am? Adjustments. You have to make adjustments. You have to make a life alteration if you're going to follow Christ. Because guess what? Contrary to what you might think or may not think, Christ doesn't stop. He keeps moving. Because last time I read my Bible, he said, follow me. He never stopped. He's still moving. Jesus is moving, and he's never stopped in his race. He sat on the throne, but he's still not finished. He hasn't finished with your life. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life that he's dying to share with you, or he died to share with you. Yes? He died to share with you so that you could join him in the race. Join him in this race. So it's a profound thing to be asked to work something out. See, I've been a Christian now for 31 years. 31 years. And I can tell you, this working, this stuff out, takes some working out. And for many of you who've been Christians now for, for how many years, I don't know. This working it out does require some working out. Have you noticed that? It does. It means... You cannot work things out alone, solely, just by listening to me. Because I'm not God. I'm glad I'm not God. I'm glad I'm not God. Because when you're moaning, I'd rather you take moan at him than me. When you have limitations, I don't want you to be disappointed in me. I want you to look to God. So you can't, you can't work this out just by, just by listening to me alone. 
You can't work this thing out just by, now listen to what I'm going to say because I'm going to quantify it. You can't work this out just by reading your Bible alone. If that was the case, many of us have worked it all out. Because I read my Bible alone every day with Jesus. Well, not every day, most days. Don't want to paint a false picture of this saint. You cannot work this thing out just by reading the Bible, reading the, uh, reading the Bible on your own, listening to me, and coming to church. Can we make that abundantly clear? Because I'd hate to think that this Christian life, your Christian version of this life, is all summed up just by you attending this church. It can't be. Now, that's, I've made the small print big now. We've all individually got to work it out. So, but you can work it out, and you have to work it out, listen, practically, financially, spiritually, and physically. Physically, spiritually, financially. Because God requires things from you. If you've got a destiny, you're going to have to buy some stuff along the way. You're going to have to invest in yourself somewhere down the line. Yes? If God says to me, I want you to go to, say, for instance, Africa. Last time I I got on a plane and I I said to them, I'm going to Malaysia because my spiritual dad said he he wants to say some things. Do you think the airline says, oh, well, in that case, then just get on free? No, they don't, do they? You still have to pay. Of course you do. It makes sense. Right then, if God wants to use you, you need some finance. Well, God will supply, yes, and you will work for some. What you, what you work for and don't get enough of, God will supply the rest. Yeah? So you have to work, work things out financially, practically, spiritually, and you have to invest in your own life as well as investing in the lives of others. It's so important. This is part of the race. This is the evidence of the race. When was the last time you sold into somebody else? We do it with our own children. Yeah? You're going to need to read some books. It's amazing how many Christians say, I don't read. Well, how do you read your Bible then? The truth is, they struggle. So, Either get an audio Bible, do something. You cannot leave the fact that you can't read as the reason for you never learning. You must, in this day and age, not being able to read is not the stigma it once carried. Many people are coming out and getting help for it. So go and get the help. Don't stay there and say, I can't read. Go and get the help. It's there. Nobody has to know. Everybody in your classes, that's the reason why they're there. You say, what are you here for? Veruca? No, I'm here because I can't read. Right, Ren. So you need to read the right books. You see, I have a long life learning commitment. I didn't stop learning when I left school. Why? Because I didn't think I ever really started learning when I was in school. But some of you are different. I learned out of school. I was a hands-on but I learned in the factory, in with people, and then as I come into the ministry, I didn't even get trained for the ministry. <gasps> I didn't even get the training for the ministry. God called me, but guess what? I did not sit on my blessed assurance. Now, many vicars would sit there and say, you've not been trained, therefore you can't speak. 
But do I sound like a man who hasn't got, any, who doesn't got anything to say? Why? Because the Holy Spirit and me have worked together. We trained ourselves for this race. Now, I want to make some sense because I want this lady, I want you to see this video. So I've got to rush through what I'm going to say here, uh, which is difficult for me to rush through. You must listen to wise, intelligent people. Now, I'm not intelligent, but I'm not stupid. Because I know what intelligence looks like. I've got a form of intelligence, but I ain't stupid by any stretch of imagination. You need to be around wise, intelligent people who can help you. Come on. When was the last time you went for a coffee with someone and said, we're going for a coffee with that person because they're smart and they know things about God that we don't know. Let's just sit down and learn some life lessons. They've been through some stuff. Let's learn from these wise people. It's a cup of coffee. It's a meal. I'm constantly going out with people so I can learn from them. Books, I'm reading books today that I never thought I would ever read. If my teacher saw me reading a book, a big thick book like that, I read a book, 500 pages about the EU. 500 pages. I'm thinking, never in my life, whatever. Yeah, it's that big, Phil. It's thick paper. It's underground paper. It's like that. It's like that. It's exaggeration. 500 pages, you're thinking. I could never see myself reading something like that at school. We did The Hobbit at school. That was my, the only book I ever read. You've got to read books outside of your sphere. Show yourself well-rounded. Show yourself to be smart, well-rounded. Yeah? You need consistent involvement. That's another thing you're going to need. People say, I'm in the race, I'm a Christian. Yeah, but you're not involved, you're not committed to anything. You've just come to church, you've fallen into the, to the, to the thing that says, I'm committed because I come to church. Jesus never died for you to have a church life. He died to give you a Christ life. And the life abundantly. Amen? You're going to you're gonna have to learn how to pray. You're going to have to learn to be consistent, and you're going to have to learn that when you don't get any answers, that's not God cheesed off. You're going to have to learn how God speaks. Yeah, you're going to have to learn this thing. You need evidence of that. What's your evidence? Do you throw the toys out the pram every time God doesn't answer you? You're going to need to think differently in order to ask different questions. If you keep talking like a victim, you'll only ever ask victim questions. You've got to get out whatever life, life has thrown at you, you've got to rise above it. Well, how do you do that? Well, that's a good question. Start with God. The one who, the God who saved you, save you not to stay in the pit. I know he can do it. Why? I'm looking at evidence in front of me. You'll need to invest in others. Best legacy you'll ever leave is the one you leave and invest into others. Add value to other people. It's the greatest thing you can do. Some have lived a lifetime, like I say, but they've never lived more than a day. Shame that, shame. Some have never served or felt the pain of sacrifice in their life. I find that as, uh, unbelievable to think that some Christians have never, ever sacrificed anything of themselves and they've never felt the pain of sacrifice 
And I find that outstanding. And I think to myself, straight away, you cannot be a Christian. You cannot be a Christian. You may have received salvation, but you cannot be a practicing Christian. You've never had to sacrifice. Since the day I became a Christian, God was always demanding me to sacrifice something. A servant has to sacrifice. Jesus has become the model. Jesus is the model of a servant, the suffering servant. Always remember that, folks. Servanthood is not always as a smile on your face. Serving, serving with joy, yes, joy is not a smile on your face. Joy is contentment on the inside. Yes? But you must serve. Serve others. Serve others. This is what it means to run the Christian race. Some people have never served anyone. Nothing. Everything's too, too much. We're, we're too old now. It's amazing how many people fall into that pit of, we're too old. My mother realized that even when she had bronchitis and she was on oxygen and she couldn't move, my mother served more people from her bed than she ever did on her feet. There's a way you can serve people. She served more people on her bed than she ever did when she was working on her feet. Everybody knew my mum in the area. That's great. She stood for something. It takes a lot of energy to find the starting line. It takes a lot of determination to get, you, to get your booty moving. It takes a lot of effort. Have you ever noticed that? Getting up in the morning. We all want that cup of coffee before we get moving, don't we? Many of us don't like jumping straight out of bed. Do the Wallace and Gromit. Have you seen the Wallace and Gromit? When he gets out of bed. Anyone seen the Wallace and Gromit? Cartoon. When he gets out of his bed, there's a machine there waiting. He just slides straight into his clothes. Yeah? It's a fantastic... I think I should design something like that for our Scott. Straight out of bed. Tip his bed up. Straight in. Toast ready. Coffee going. Then the day's on. Fantastic. How many people say, I can't do this unless I've had my cup of coffee. Can't do this unless I've my bacon butty. My bagel. Whatever it is. Acts 20 verse 24 says this, I consider my life worth nothing to me if I only may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. You know, Paul had struggles getting to his line. Paul, listen to this, Paul, previous to him becoming saved, Paul was a murderer. Now, can you imagine just for one second the shame and the guilt and the emotional baggage that you being a murderer could carry on your life? And now, so for instance, let's just say I kill, I go to this family, I'm, I'm the Apostle Paul now, I'm convinced that what they're preaching is wrong and I feel justified to go and kill them or persecute them in the name of Judaism. Just like some fundamentalists do today. That's how bad fundamentalism, whether it's Christian or not, can be when I kill people and think I'm doing God a favor. Well, let's just say this was Paul, the Apostle Paul. He comes to this family. He destroys their, their children because this couple are preaching Christ. So now I've persecuted this family and I've left them without children. Let's just say 
two, three, four years later on, I now, Paul, get saved. I become a Christian and I've seen the light. Right? Now God says to me, I'm going to show you how much you're going to suffer. This is what Jesus told Paul. Now he says, go and preach the gospel. So now Paul has to go back into the very towns where he caused persecution. Now just stop right there. What does that look like? Now I've got shame, potential, I've got shame. God, I can't go back into that town. I ripped this family's life apart. So now he's got to go in. He's got to go in. Now you imagine, four years later, I now come and preach Christ to them, completely the opposite message, and they say, weren't you the one who killed our son? Now that's enough to shut you down and shut you up. The guilt of my past is now stood before me. Yes? But here he says, no, Paul, stand strong. You're not the man who you was. To them, you might be. But if I touch, if I touch their hearts, I'm capable, they're capable of forgiving. It's a work of grace. It's absolutely a work of God. So now they receive Paul's message. Wow. How does a man who's murdered their family now become accepted by them? God. That's all I can put it down to. God. But in Acts 20, Paul makes his profound statement. I am guilty of no man's blood. Paul makes his statement. I am guilty of no man's blood. I testified. I told him. And I leave it up to people what they'll do. I'm guilty of no man's blood. The man who persecuted and caused and shed blood is now standing and testifying. He is now guilt. He's not guilty. He's innocent of all men's blood. How does that happen? An amazing transformation takes place. But can you imagine the internal struggles Paul could have had getting to the starting line? Can you imagine that? An amazing, amazing inner struggle. Guilt is a very powerful weapon. Unforgiveness is a very, very powerful weapon. This is why Jesus has to do something in our lives and cleanse the past, give us hope for the future, because we've all done stuff we're not happy about. We've all done stuff we're ashamed about. True? I did stuff that I was not happy about, now, is it wrong for me to go and tell my children not to do the same things? No, it's not wrong. Why? Because right is right and wrong is still wrong. Even though I did it, it doesn't make me a hypocrite. Why? Because it's still wrong. It's not right because I did it. It's not wrong because I did it. It's wrong because it's wrong. It's right because it's right. Right is still right when nobody else is doing it. And wrong is wrong when everyone's doing it. It's true. So this battle to get to the starting line of your race has to be dealt with today. Because we're, we've heard this morning, God is, God's with us. If God's with us, why is he with us? Not because we worship it and we have nice worship and we sing nice songs. God's with us because God wants to take us where he is. He wants to take you off your seat, 
me off me seat and he wants to give you a work. Now I'm going to invite this lady to come and speak to us now. And she's going to show you how difficult it is to get to the starting line. And I want you to just bear with the footage. But stay with it. This is a very powerful testimony you're going to hear. I saw it this week and I thought, OMG. This is powerful. So guys, if you want to put it on, and let's roll, roll action. Powerful, eh? Very powerful. When I watched that this week, I just thought, choked up. How the race in life, how everything in life conspires against you at times in stopping you getting to the start. Not only was she should have been killed, did you hear the statement about the man who considered his passion to abort those babies? That's a, that's, we can't put a number on that, but how many kids did not get to the starting line of life, never mind the Christian race? But here she is alive, and yet she's in a race. This lady's got in, into her race. She's used whatever potentially has happened to her. She could have been bitter. But you don't hear any bitterness, do you, in her life? She's used everything of her past. And she's running her race. Now, she's got cerebral palsy. She says she falls gracefully at times. And she falls spectacularly at times. That kind of sums up our Christian walk. But nevertheless, she was involved in the race. And she's using the only thing she knows, Christ and her message, to run her race. Christ, has you, uh, Christ asks no more of you than to use what he's given you. He redeems the past, just like Paul. He redeemed Paul's past, and he used Paul's past to put him in the race. Your past is not wasted. Your past doesn't have to be something we hide in the back. God, when it's cleaned up, I say when it's cleaned up, God can use it tremendously. And that testimony to me is, is proof that life will throw everything it can at you to stop you getting to the race. But then you then have to take control when you are born. And you have to then guide, guard, and govern your own life so that you can stay in, in the race. Like I said, some of you have maybe not even discovered your race. You've been a Christian a long time. But really, you haven't even got going. You're, you're enjoying the crowd. You're around the crowd. You can hear the crowd cheering. You're part of the crowd, but your race has not yet started. I want to challenge you this morning to come out from the crowd and get to the starting line. If that's you, let's stand to our feet, if we will, please. If that's you this morning, I want you to be sober about where you are in this walk, in this walk and in this race. When we say walk, race, it sounds a contradiction, but it's not. It's all part of the same thing. I want you to be very mindful of the fact that where are you in this race? Are you at the starting line or do you get to the starting line and then you stop all the time? We're all born, we're all here. We all have a choice. To keep going. But if we keep on uh, struggling to keep in the race, then we'll never ever finish our race. We'll die. We'll die as a Christian. We'll go to heaven. 
That's not what Christ died for you for. He put you on this planet to do something for him. Not to fall over the line, but to finish strong. You're going to put your crown at his feet. All that you work for, you're going to willfully, joyfully put it at his feet and say, I did all this for you. I can't believe, Lord, that you let me have a ball down there. You let me have a ball down there so that I could come up here and present my crowns to you. That's what it's all about. So this morning, we're going to bring an end. In this new year, we're going to bring an end to the struggle. We're going to face it head on and say, I'm either in this thing or I'm not. Now, if I'm in this race, you then got to keep walking this race and running this race. But you can't be in, out, in, out, shake it all about. Do the okie-cokie. We're either in or we're out. So this morning, if you just like, raise your hands. I'm going to ask you, if, you, if you're bold enough, to stand out here. If you don't know Jesus and you want to be part of, part of this race, then this morning, this altar's here. All I want to ask you to do is just stand here. No one's going to, no one's going to make a fuss over you. We just want you to stand here. And it's a symbol before God that you are determined that I'm going to bring an end to my wanderings. I'm going to bring an end to my struggles. And I'm going to run this race that Christ has laid hold of me for. If that's you, just make your way out. Like I say, we're not going to make a fuss over you. It's just a declaration before heaven that you're determined, that you want to stand here and stop using every excuse to no longer run. That woman has more excuses than most of us in here not to run her race. But yet, here she is. She's in a government building and she's giving them large. She's not holding back. She, I don't know how she got in there. I don't know what, what door she's come through to, to, get, to be able to speak. But she has not held back who she is and what she's come, where she's come from. She is determined. This is, I'm, this is a one 15-minute chance I have. And I'm going to tell you about my race. Amen? So that's you. Just make your way here. And we're just going to pray. And then we're going to go and have coffee. I'm not going to say any more. If God isn't convicting you, God isn't convicting you. If God is convicting you, great, wonderful. But I won't keep talking now. I'm just going to wait. And then I'm going to pray and I'm going to dismiss the crowd. Or I'm going to dismiss the runners. Depending which one. Oh, Father. Right now. Come on, be sober about this. Be clear-minded. See, see, God working on our hearts. Some of you are in the race, I appreciate that. But some, I know this morning, some of you are not in the race. And you're deluded because you've got a church life, you're in the race. But you're not serving, you're not serving Christ, you're just coming to church. And I want to save you from church life. I want to help you Develop a Christian life. Millions of people have got a church life. Whoopee. God wants to give you the kingdom. He wants to give you the kingdom. Is there a group of people here that God can move their hearts? Are we a group of people who's God, who God can move our hearts?
or are we resistant? Are we such a resistant people that God can no longer move us? And at my age of life, can he still change me? Will I still allow him to change me and align me to those things I need? Come on, the altar's here. That's where you're at. Father, we take your word seriously this morning, oh God. We take the baton. We take the baton that's been, that's been handed into many, 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 many generations' hands. And Lord, we say thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for life. Thank you for breath. Thank you for energy. That, Lord, that you've given me the baton. You've given me a chance to run this Christian race. And Father, we acknowledge, oh God, Lord, we feel at times that we know nothing. We feel that our walk, our journey is, is uphill. We feel the sense of the struggle. But oh God, you keep whispering into our hearts. You keep giving us courage. You keep giving us hope. You keep giving us words of life that keep inspiring us to keep on going, to lifting our heads. Lord, you truly are the lifter of our head. You keep inspiring me. You keep on speaking from heaven above. You keep on speaking on the inside of my heart. You keep on saying it'll be okay. Keep trusting. Keep believing. Keep reading. Keep um, confessing. You tell me, oh God, how to make the adjustments. Father, we want to finish our course. We want to run our race. So, oh Father, this morning, Lord, we thank you for grace. We thank you for your word. We want to work it out, Lord. We want to work out what needs to be worked in. If you don't know Jesus this morning, you know one of the dangers of the modern Christianity is people leave church and then they just slip back in as if nothing's ever happened. And it's almost like they, they, look, they use the church and they slip those slippers back on as if nothing's happened and have never been away. And Jesus says, you have been away. It needs to be recognized. You need to come home. You need to, put, you need to put your heart right with me. I'm the God of heaven. You put me down, you left me, you walked away, you come back and you think you, you just picked me up. You need to dialogue with me. Talk with me. Invite me back into your life. Because the very things that cause you to stray the first time, if they're not dealt with, will cause you to stray a second time. Don't just slip into the church, the back door. This is the house of God. God knows everyone in this house. So if you don't know Jesus or you've just slipped back in, now's the time to put your heart right with God. And say, Lord, you've welcomed me back, but Lord, I want to give my life to you and worship you. I want to know you and have meaning and purpose in my life. If that's you, you need to be down here. I want to encourage you to stand down here and, and give your life to Jesus Christ this morning. Come on, don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Jesus is here to forgive, to install you, to reinstall you. Come on, Jesus will, will be here for you. No one's judging you. No one's, no one's thinking any worse. But he wants you here. Don't just slip in the church. Get to know the God of the house. Don't just hear the word of God. Get to know the God of the word. 
I encourage you, give your heart to Jesus this morning. Surrender at the cross. Give your heart to Jesus. Oh, he loves you. Give your heart to him. Oh, my God. Give your heart to Jesus. It's the best thing you can ever do. Give your life. Know a different life. Know a different life. Know a different way than what you've lived before or you've experienced. Give him your heart. Oh, Father, right now, I pray you give my, my sister strength, courage, determination, and stamina. Strength, courage, determination, and stamina be your portion. Father, from heaven above, give to my sister what she needs. As she rises to her feet, a new strength. Let a new strength come upon you. Let you feel invigorated by the life of the Holy Spirit. Run the race strong. Stand strong. And run it to the end. Know the strength of the Lord upon your, upon your uh, journey. He strengthens the weary. The feeble hands. Father, right now, rise in Jesus' name. Rise a new woman. Rise a new woman. And the people of God said... Amen. Amen. Church, be serious about this race. Be sober about this race. Amen. If you're not serious about it, your family won't be serious. Yeah. I let that silence just sink in. You're not serious, your family. Why should your family be serious? Amen. Okay, the Lord bless you.